Bye. Hello and welcome to Knock Knock High with the Glockenfleckens. I am Dr. Glockenflecken, also known as Will Flannery. I am Lady Glockenflecken, also known as Kristen Flannery. And do we have a doozy of a show for you today? We're talking about something we haven't talked about yet on the show. Mm-hmm. We're talking about physician families. That's right. The flip side yes, of a physician the, marriage. The other, the, the all the people that uh, kind of keep physician lives going. Yeah. Right. I said marriage. <laughs> that's, that's a, it's not just marriage. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, Part- any sort this- of partnership. I don't know, parents, best even. friend, sure, dog, and well, cat. No, you're getting a little out okay, of hand. Not, not so much. But you know, you know what I'm saying. Like, the the people that like, you know, keep just help. They're there. They're they're well, yes, living and not the only life that, with you. But right, the people that yes. medical training and medical life is happening to also. That's right. That's right. The co-survivors. Yes. Right. That's what I said. I'm a co-survivor, a medical training man. <laughs> That all happened to me, too. Uh, oh, oh boy. It, it sure did. Uh, even in ophthalmology, it happened to you. That's yeah. right. I mean, look, now is easier. But residency, no matter what specialty you're in, is a special breed of health. See, so. that's, that's why that's actually a good point. Like in my con, you know, I always make fun of all these specialties, right? And I, I'm, I'm the first person to make fun of ophthalmology. I make fun yeah. of ophthalmologists all the time for our easy work-life balance and all this stuff. Right. But if you pay attention, I, I, I never do that. Uh, to to the residents, like to the residency right, right, right. programs. I don't make fun of like, oh, this residency program is so much easier than that residency program or make any jokes around that because all residency is hard. Yeah. It's, it's grueling work. It's, uh, it's years of your life. And, uh, and, and as this episode will show you, it's just as hard uh, on the, uh, the families who, who, who are there with the physician going right. through medical training. Yeah, and that that's an angle that's often overlooked. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but before we get into that, um, I do have to... <laughs> so often we are sitting here in this office mm-hmm. on Mondays recording mm-hmm. and um, and our kids right now are home from for winter break. Normally when we're doing yes. this, they're at school. They have no school today. They have no school today. And so um, right in the middle of the episode, mm-hmm. uh, we hear a piece of paper... Shh kind of slide underneath the door and our kids are eight and 11. Mm-hmm. This is the eight year old. They know they're not supposed to like knock on the door. They know they're not supposed to come in, right? They, you yeah. know, like rules of recording. I'm sure everybody right. got a taste of it when we were all working from home during. So we the got lockdowns. this paper that says, I'm just hold it up for our YouTube audience and I'll say, it. are you almost done? <laughs> are you guys almost done? That's what this says. Here's what I want to know. I'm not sure what is then expected of us when we get one of these notes. Do they think we're going to like get up and like oh, remove so, ourselves I'm from so the podcast conversation yes. and like write, nice. a, write an answer and slide it back under the door? Hold on, podcast guest. <laughs> I'll be right back. Yes. An urgent message from my children. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Kids, man, no. they uh, they have different ideas about. I mean, it, look, they're trying. No, you, you know, it's kind of cute because they're like, I know I'm not supposed to be noisy and bother yes. them, so I'm gonna do this as silently as I know how. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we should probably get to our guest. Yes. Right. Let's do it. This is Haley Harlock. She's a um, uh, she's a, a social worker. Uh, and turned advocate for um, physician families. families yeah. She's the founder of The Flipside Life and is an adjunct assistant clinical professor at McMaster University. It's just done an incredible job uh, bringing 
kind of community building and uh, bringing the support network for uh, for for physician families to, uh, to have um, you know people to talk to and to to learn from and. And She's so, a natural connector. That's she right. connects people. She connects ideas. And some of what she's doing is really cool and um, overdue. Yeah, so Absolutely. So here she is, Haley Harlock. Today's episode is brought to you by the Nuance Dragon Ambient Experience, or DAX for short. To learn more about how DAX Copilot can help reduce burnout and restore the joy of practicing medicine, stick around after the episode or visit nuance.com slash discover DAX. That's N-U-A-N-C-E dot com slash discover D-A-X. All right. We are here with Haley Harlock. Uh, Haley, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we've been looking forward to this. Uh, to uh, to talk about you know, some things we don't normally get a chance to to uh, get a get into. Yes, that's right. Talk about the other side of the physician coin, I suppose, the physician families. Yes. That's so right. thank you for being here with us. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's uh, it's a pleasure to uh, to be here with both of you, and um, excited to have our chat. Yes, I know you and Kristen have crossed paths before um, with the flip side life. Yeah, why don't you tell everyone uh, what that is first, and then uh, we can talk about how we ran into each other. Yes, absolutely. So the Flipside Life is an organization that was established in 2019 to help support and connect physician families at all stages of training and practice. And it was actually, initially when I started it, I started it, I was developing an app. I was working with a a tech developer Hmm. to develop an app to connect physician partners, wherever wherever we may be, you know, around, around the world. And um, that was sort of in maybe early summer 2019. And, and um, unfortunately, pursuing the app became a bit cost prohibitive because I was self-funding it. Mm-hmm. And then, lo and behold, we found ourselves in a pandemic. And that's when I realized that perhaps the app wasn't what our community needed right now, but what our community needed was sort of, you know, boots on the ground, grassroots support. And so um, that's when I sort of changed the plan. And uh, just started doing just really simple reach out. I mean, I don't have the social media following that you guys do, but just went on uh, on social media the week the pandemic was declared and said, you know, our community is is being hit hard. It's going to be hit hard, you know. And I think like most people felt really helpless about wanting to help, wanting to do something. And I just said, you know, I'll be on Zoom at two o'clock on a Tuesday that week and 9 p.m. on a Thursday for any partners of medical students or physicians that want to come and say hi or just want a safe space to hang out. And on that first week when, um, you know, when the pandemic first started in March 2020, I said to the people that came on those Zoom calls, I said, you know, I'll be here every week until it's just me. And when it's just (laughs) me on this Zoom, and then I'll know that our community doesn't need support any anymore. And um, well, it's almost been four years and it hasn't just been me. So that's kind of a little that's bit of, great. you know, where, where things started and the flip side life, the actual name, I mean, it's a bit of a cheeky play on words, kind of what Kristen already alluded to in terms of the other side of medicine. Yeah. So, yeah. So that, that's a little bit about where, where we started. How did you, how did you get, I guess, where, where did the idea come from to even like to, to be involved in this community and, and kind of the origin of that? Right. Um, so um, I'm a social worker by training. I used to work clinically at a children's hospital um, and 
during that time, my, my husband, we, we, we've been together uh, for many, many years, but he is a vascular surgeon. Uh, at the time, he was not. He I wasn't going to tell you that part. Oh, vascular <laughs> surgeon. Yeah. Okay. No. No, just kidding. <laughs> so we, so, so, so vascular we, we surgery is the reason that Will went into ophthalmology. That's so, right. Okay. Yeah. I think we need to circle back on that. <laughs> I didn't have to talk about that. Uh, for sure. But um, it just made me realize. So, at, you know, at the time when, when my husband was doing his training, we weren't married yet. And, and like I said, I was in a teaching center and I really thought I understood the experience of medical learners, of, you know, attendings of what, the, like I, I had a front row seat, right? I worked with these mm-hmm. people every single day. And then, you know, the longer John progressed in his training, he finished medical school, started residency uh, at first general surgery. Cause back in those days you had to do five years of general oh, surgery yeah, that's right. before you did a vascular Ugh. surgery fellowship. <laughs> It's like doing yeah. a second residency, yeah. basically. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> and in particular, when you think that like you're done after those five years, I mean, we're done after those five yeah. years. And, and that was a whole nother story, how I was told that we were not done after those five years. But uh-huh. um, but just, you know, it's it's easier to laugh now. But right. back in those days, and, and especially we have, we have three children and two of those not babies, they're not babies anymore, but two of them were, were residency babies. And, mm. and it was hard. And there really was no, no support for, you know, people like me on the, on the flip side. And, and that's why in, in 2019, sort of when, when our family came out of, you know, maybe a not so great place and, and were on the upswing, that's when sort of my instinct, my social work background, um, and just wanting yeah. to help others and recognizing that, you know what, this isn't, an easy experience for many people and you know what what could be done differently because i certainly did not personally experience any support during john's training years and um and so yeah that's i just you know just decided to maybe take one little action that perhaps could be impactful and you know and yeah if- yeah and one in, one detail that's important for haley's story here and for the flip side life is um she's in canada and c- c- please correct me if i'm wrong because I'm not Canadian, obviously, but my understanding is that in Canada, they don't have a formalized, you know, support system for spouses of medical trainees or partners. Um, Do we have one? We don't, we have. (laughs) In the U.S.? We have, yes, sort of, yes. We have um, the AMA Alliance Mm -hmm. is an Uh. organization um, affiliated with the American Medical Association that is Mm -hmm. for spouses. And then oftentimes residency programs Right. We'll have something, you know, mm-hmm. to at least acknowledge the existence of other members of their training sometimes, families. Sometimes. 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 Yeah. Yeah. That's yes. that's hit or miss. Um, but my understanding is that in Canada, there was basically nothing. Right. Yeah. That, and that's correct. And 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 it was almost just it was so interesting because when I started doing this, so again, grassroots work, I mean, that the, the number of things, guys, that I have Googled in the last four years. <laughs> pretty humbling like when you feel like you know nothing right and, and just right. trying to to make leeway and and so when I came across the AMA Alliance that was actually really surprising to me that okay that there actually is some infrastructure right out there that's been there for a long time I think like in the hundred like I think in the you know they've just surpassed the hundred year mark and mm-hmm. we didn't have anything and, and our system is a little bit different in terms of we only we have 17 medical schools across the country right you have hundreds and you have right. hundreds of residency programs. So it's a little bit smaller and smaller scale, but, but still there was nothing official. And, um, and it, it has been exciting in the last four years since I've been doing this work, you know, I'll get a, a message from 
someone across, you know, somewhere in, in, across the country, not just in this country, but outside of Canada as well, to be like, you know what, you made me think that perhaps I could do something too, uh, you know, in, in my community where I am. And so I think that's, I think that's sort of the idea of like, if you don't like something, change it, right? And and I had um, I had the privilege in October. I attended the American Conference on Physician Health. It was in California um, at the beginning beginning of October, and uh, Dr. Carrie Cunningham, who is amazing, she gave uh, a keynote, and and that was one of the things that she said. Like you know, and and she wasn't talking about physician families, but when I heard her say that, that just really resonated. It was like you know what? It's in all of us. Like it's like help when you can. We all can do something, right? Whether it's on mm-hmm. you know a big scale like what you're doing with the millions of YouTube followers and TikTok followers, or if it's on a really small scale, one-to-one or, you know, right. one to 10. Yeah. It's- yeah. Lots of ways to do right. it. I, I got to ask. So, so your husband did a general surgery residency. Yes. And the, did he know he wanted to do vascular? When no. he's, so at one point he came to you and was like, Hey, I'd like to do like three more years <laughs> of this. Yes. Yes. And, and just, what was your initial reaction to that? So I'm going to set the stage for you. Well, so he's not here to defend himself, right? Yeah. He's, he's at work today. Um, so it was surprise because he's a vascular surgeon. That's right? Right. Yeah. Um, so it was just before Christmas and it was in 20. Oh, and I'm going to make myself sound really old. It was 2010. And that's not, that's not that bad. Um, it's not that long well, ago. Well, it it, wasn't like it. that like three years ago? Yeah, right. Yeah. A okay. couple years. Yeah. Sorry. Thanks, friends. That's that's nice. <laughs> and and my husband's birthday is actually Christmas Day. So he, you know, yeah. Hmm. So we always try to, you know, sneak away and have dinner, just the two of us, somewhere in a few days before before Christmas. So we had, had went out. Our kids were really little. We had a, a two-year-old and a um, baby. And my mom was at home, at our home, watching our kids. And we have this lovely dinner. You know, we have some wine at, di- at dinner. And we're driving home. John's driving. I'm in the passenger seat. And it was one of those, like, you know, when you're in an encounter with a patient and it's like one hand on the doorknob and then Uh they're like, oh, doctor, by the way, Mm -hmm. and it was Uh like, ah, honey, by the way, I'm considering this fellowship. (laughs) He's lucky he was driving and not me because I was just kidding. Um, He pulled the birthday card on that one. He waited till you were almost home on his birthday. So you can't Mm. make a scene. There was thought. (laughs) There was thought put into this. I think so. I mean, we might have to have a follow-up conversation so he can defend himself. (laughs) But the the craziest thing was, um, we're really fortunate in Canada. We get a, you can take up to 12 months of maternity leave. So I was actually on mat leave with our, our, our now middle child. And we had talked about, you know, that I was going to, quit my job and I was going to stay home for a bit. And that was totally like uh, something that I wanted to do. So now he, he tells me that he's going to do two more years of training. And I've already, I haven't written the formal letter yet, but I've let my employer know that I'm uh, not coming back. You know, I was oh. that's what I'm like, no, what, what we're, you know, we're doing two more years of training. Like yeah. we're going to be eating at the food bank. Like, have you <laughs> right. lost your yeah. mind? You don't exactly get paid a lot as a fellow. No, no. And, and, you know, like, I was the sugar mama for a while, you know, back uh-huh. in those yeah. days, right? So, um, yeah, I think it took, I, I probably was in shock, but I actually think um, it was, you know, yeah. I, I don't even want to admit it, but maybe it was a really good choice for for John. Well, it was a good choice for John and, and for our family, but it's that's only looking back, you know, connecting right. the docs, <laughs> looking back uh-huh. that you can see that. So I, I think it's hard for... You know, for for physicians, from my perspective, you know, we we have to work so hard to get through medical education and training that in the moment, 
it's 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 really hard to even notice like mm-hmm. how much is falling on the spouse mm-hmm. and how much um uh, what what toll those types of decisions can take yeah. on the family and it's great to be in a supportive relationship obviously and mm-hmm. i had that and it sounds mm-hmm. like you you guys have that as well but uh but it, because it's so demanding the training mm-hmm. um it's kind of like it's having we have that mindset like we got to get through training mm-hmm. without even really thinking about mm-hmm. oh man like I have to go do an away rotation mm. for like six weeks in this yeah. other city. That's like yeah. two hours away. Like what is, how, what's going to happen there? Like with mm. the family and, and yeah. it's, it's kind of well, just accepted a- as, as normal and mm-hmm. like it has to happen. Right. And that is a good example. Like at our residency program, mm. you know, it was, it was kind of like a, a mixed bag because the response to that was, well, they give us an apartment mm. that the families can come stay and be with us. Mm. And so that is above and beyond what a lot of people do. So yeah. I do want to acknowledge mm-hmm. that. That's something for sure. That's actually amazing, I think. It <laughs> is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. But then I said, oh, okay, six weeks, two hours mm. from home. Mm. I have a job <laughs> and it's not remote. Mm. And we have two children that we pay for daycare and there's like, a year long wait list. Mm. So if we pull them out for six weeks, yeah, th- they're not going back in anytime soon. And if we don't pull them out, that means we're still paying oodles mm. of money for it. You know, like, yeah. so it's not actually considering what the life might actually look like mm. of the physician's partner, right? Like to me, that felt like, while amazing that they do at least provide that apartment, it felt like they were telling me I should not be working. Mm. I should be Susie Homemaker and be able to just follow wherever he goes. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with people who would like to stay home and Mm -hmm. take care of children. That is Mm. the hardest job that I have ever done. And I'm no good at it. Like I have to be, I'm not saying I'm not a good, I'm a good mom, Mm -hmm. but I'm not good at not having a job and being a mom. And so to me, it just felt like they were saying, you can't be who you are. You have to be this other thing because that's what works for our training program. Well, it's interesting. Like even, okay, I use the word amazing. That's amazing. They found you an apartment. And as those words were coming out of my mouth, I'm I'm like, we've actually set the bar pretty low. So they've agreed (laughs) to find, you know, (laughs) meet a basic need, right? But the the reality is the bar has been set really low because there's tons of programs across North America, you know, beyond that that's not even a consideration. And I think that's that's the problem is that, you know, there's been this perceived disconnect forever in medicine where it's like, you know, physician, patient, healthcare system, and then physician families over here. And 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 I use the word family, you can interpret like very broadly, right? Whether that's your partner, your children, your right. parent, however, you know, your best friend. But there's always been this perceived disconnect. And it's interesting when you think about it, because, you know, Will, if you have a bad day at work, Mm-hmm. Does it not impact when you walk in the door, even if you can compartmentalize, oh, yeah. right? You're right. Oh, and absolutely. It's it's why it's, I, I yeah I want to I kind of uh, mm-hmm. uh, treasure my 20 minute commute now mm-hmm. versus like three minutes, right. you know, because like sometimes I need that time, right? Or or on or, or on the flip side, on the flip side, if if something's going on big at home, mm-hmm. you know, that is going to impact you. I'm not saying it's going to impact necessarily impact your you know ability to you know provide you know compassionate quality patient care, but in the back of your mind, of course, it's going, you know, going to be impacting. And, and I think we've just, you know, medicine as an institution and medical culture just has never 
perhaps stop to take into account that, oh, there's other people behind this physician, right? It's, but I think it's, I guess also, you know, that physicians perhaps in the past, you know, you've been put up on this sort of pedestal, if you will, like physician, you know, physician, uh -huh. but not physician right. as human. Right. And I think that perhaps COVID and the, and the early stages of the pandemic put a, put a bit of a tilt to that where it was now, okay, doctors are human. And then unfortunately, I feel like that was short-lived. And then there was parts of the pandemic where it was like doctors were vilified, mm -hmm. you know, to, yeah. to a certain extent. But I mean, I think at the end of the day, they're just, I think in any profession, right? You as like, we're all human and our work does affect our personal life and, and vice versa at times. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, that is, uh, I'm doing it again. One of my many soapboxes. Um, would you for Christmas, would you just get me an actual like soapbox? Oh, I already did. Yeah. It's, it's okay. Right. Your <laughs> That'll help. Uh, no, um, that medical training doesn't see its trainees yeah. as full people. Mm -hmm. It just sees them for what they can do for the system and what they need to learn in order to function in the system. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't consider you know, all of the rest of what goes into being a good doctor. I think part of that problem is also just historically, mm -hmm. at least in this country, what, uh, how residents and trainees, fellows are, they're perceived as cheap labor mm -hmm. and, um, and, and, you know, a, a position that can be government funded, mm -hmm. uh, and, in a system, a healthcare system like ours, that's so focused on generating profit mm -hmm. that is coveted. Uh, and so some, some program, lot, lots of programs, they approach residency the way it should be approached. Like we're training the next generation of doctors to be empathetic and to mm -hmm. be their best possible physician selves. But like, there are programs out there that, that see it more as like, oh, look, we can, you know, just saddle this person with so mm -hmm. much work. And because, because, uh, look, look, look at the value. This, uh, yeah, essentially they're working like minimum wage. The and, grad student, right. uh, you know, in the, in the more academic mm -hmm. medicine realm, it's kind of the analog to that. And, and so it's just, it's setting trainees up for this kind of moral injury, the burnout and, um, which obviously is going to extend to the family life mm -hmm. as well. And so can you speak to a bit about burnout and like, yeah. Well, I, can I just back up for one second? Oh, sure. maybe, yeah. maybe think about something um, just as you were speaking, but like if you think about residency training and mm -hmm. it's, you know, you, you guys were together during your training and, you know, Kristen, you already gave a great example of, you know, even just having to pretend, potentially relocate for six weeks, right? So why is it that we've never taken a pause to stand back and recognize that partners and significant others are directly impacted by this experience, like directly impacted? You know, there's mm -hmm. lots of, um, you know, sacrifices that go in along the way, whether it's career, whether it's family sacrifice, but yet there's no sort of acknowledgement that they're part of this journey, that the journey is, I mean, in our house, it was our journey Yeah, John was yeah. doing, doing the work yeah. at the hospital, but it was our journey. And, and I think that's something that, um, I think just like you said, like, like Will just said, like it just because historically, you know, trainees perhaps have been thought of in a certain way. So sometimes I think this conversation is really just a conversation that's never been had before, right? So sometimes when when something like this is not rocket science, it's you know, it's it's actually quite simple. But what if we just took a moment to to just acknowledge, include, and support the people that are coming along to residency, right? And yeah. and you know, something as simple as like when you when you match to a program once you've you know accepted the offer, you know, perhaps it's like, you know, is there anyone, and this doesn't always work, I understand if it's you know a, a really large program 
but even something like no an email to say who's coming with you is anyone coming with you that we should know about you know Kristen mm-hmm. I don't know what your experience was like but I feel like during my husband's training I feel like there were some years where I met the same people over and over again <laughs> and I got reintroduced and I was like mm-hmm. I remember who you are <laughs> like right and, you know it was like and and that was just sort of a I don't know just almost like a defeating thing when you're already feeling like you're you're not part of this this yeah. experience that is directly impacting your life every single day, 24 hours a yeah. day. And it's never giving you anything positive. It's only ever doing negative things. Mm-hmm. And so it's really easy to build a lot of resentment. Yes. And I think that's maybe part that people don't always feel like they can talk about. Mm. It, you know, there's this image of what a physician's spouse must be like. And historically speaking, it was the doctor's wife, mm. right? Yes. In that it must be this really glamorous thing and you're so lucky because your husband makes all this money and you can mm. just do nothing but lay around or whatever you want to do. I don't know. Right? Eat bonbons all day. Right? But um, that's not at all what it's like. And uh, nobody <laughs> really talks about that. It it creates a lot of anger, mm-hmm. I think. At least mm-hmm. I, for me, yeah. I, you know, even now, what, seven years or something mm-hmm. out of training, I'm just yeah. kind of coming to terms with the fact that I have had to live through mm-hmm. a lot of anger and resentment, yes. but just stuff it down because it was no one's fault mm-hmm. per se, right? Mm-hmm. And so you just live with it. Absolutely. And I think, and I think you just like, you just nailed that one. It's and it's true. And I think that's where, you know, why community and connection mm-hmm. is so important, especially during right. these formative years during training for you know, for people like think about, you know, maybe during your residency, well, like the people you were with every single day, right. Whether like those become your people because you're, you're, you're yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's another family. Yeah. yeah. And there's a lot of, of partners that don't have, have, right. you know, anyone to, to build community with. And that's something that, um, you know, like feel that feeling of like, oh my gosh, I have no right. I've, you know, I think we're, I think physician families are exceptionally, um, altruistic. I think that's, you know, mm-hmm. runs very deep. And I think we're very quick to acknowledge privilege. But then when things are hard for us, or we're struggling, we're quick to put up, you know, to say, okay, but mm-hmm. somebody else has it worse. And I think this idea, um, I don't know if you guys are Brene Brown fans, but I am. And fun fact, she's also a physician spouse. Mm. Um, and I don't know her, wish I did, but I don't. But <laughs> she talks about, you know, this idea of comparative suffering. And and I think mm-hmm. that's just it, is that two things can coexist, right? You can yeah. be, we can yeah. all, you know, um, acknowledge the privilege that we have, but that that also doesn't negate our own experiences. And I think right. if that was something that was perhaps um, maybe framed better for partners during, especially during the training years, I think the, like the resentment, that anger that you're talking about, Kristen, I think could be minimized, maybe even yeah. alleviated, right? If people had, had, had an outlet and um, right. yeah, I think that's something. Yeah, it's a long time to just feel invisible mm-hmm. or secondary, right? You know, that, yeah. that you're less important, mm-hmm. right? There's these, this is an entire program saying that that the physician is the one that, you know, they are not that they are treating them well either, but you know, everything is revolving around that person. And so then it's like, well, what about me and my goals and my needs right. as the partner to that right. person? Even simple things like when I, you know, I've heard so many stories from, from both physicians and and partners over the last several years that I've been doing this work of just, just saying like, you know, we didn't even know we uprooted to a different city, sometimes a different state or province country. And we had no idea where to even start looking for housing, looking like just basic things that you need to to thrive while you are while you're doing medical training and and some of yeah. these things again really simple to 
to make better and, and don't cost a lot of money, but we just have to think about them a little bit differently. And um, yeah, and I, I, I think everybody's deserving of support, right? And yeah. it's, it kind of reminds me of, of Kristen's experience uh, around my cardiac mm-hmm. arrest and um, as a as the the family member of of somebody yes. going through medical issues and and just being recognized mm-hmm. and or the the lack of recognition there yeah. was very similar very yeah similar. i in fact bring that into my talks i mm-hmm. think the talk that that we did i say that i am a co-survivor yeah. of medical training also yes. yeah, yeah. Uh, like that that all happened to me too. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up. Cause that was, that's something, I mean, I've, you and I've had that conversation. We've had it online, offline. I've, I've seen, you know, you talk about that on other podcasts that you've done other episodes and it's so true. And I think in healthcare, you know, we, we try to do, or we're working on doing a better job at, you know, patient centered care, family centered care, you know, a much more holistic approach. But what if we also did that starting in training with our, you know, our medical learners and, and their loved ones too. And, and just to go back to, Will, what you started asking about, you know, burnout, mm-hmm. you know, I really believe that physician mental health and wellbeing starts at home. And so if we're, if we're looking at physicians and physician families more holistically, then perhaps, you know, perhaps maybe physician families are the missing link or the missing puzzle piece in the conversation related to burnout. And yeah, yeah. if I you totally support agree. the family, then that's mm-hmm. a huge, you know, burden off of the, mm-hmm. of the whole family, but including mm-hmm. the physician to go do their, mm-hmm. their work. It's Absolutely. So demanding. Let's take a, let's take a break, break real quick. Cause I have got some more questions for okay. you guys. Hey, Kristen, doesn't it seem like AI can do anything? It seems that way. It's right? everywhere. It is. But have you heard of Precision? No, tell me. This is the first ever electronic health record integrated infectious disease AI platform. Mm, that sounds fancy, yeah, but it's what really does it mean? exciting. Uh, so for any specific patient, it takes all the patient's clinical data and automatically highlights better antibiotic coverage in real time. Oh, nice. Yeah. It empowers clinicians to save more lives while also working more efficiently mm. and quickly. To see a demo, go to precision.com slash KKH. That's precision spelled with an X instead of an E. So P-R-X-C-I-S-I-O-N.com slash KKH. All right, we are back with Haley Harlock. And um, uh, I have another question uh, uh, that I'd love to hear uh, from the uh, physician spouse perspective. Uh, How do you feel about medical conferences? Are these just like, because it's, it's different than call. We already talked Mm. about call Mm -hmm. and there's this like kind of feeling like, oh, well, they need your help. Uh, For the most part, medical conferences Mm. are, are completely superfluous. (laughs) Uh, Well, like, let's be honest. Like we can get our CME online. There's some element of luxury. Yeah, sure. Right. Sure. (laughs) So is, is that, um, um, do you get frustrated when we have to go to conferences? Not if you take me with you. If it's a cool place. <laughs> yeah. Haley, do you do you do you get to go? I, yes. Um I like I like the answer. If it's a cool place, yes. Um I'm in. I think when, you know, when the kids were a lot younger, I think, and I didn't see my partner very often, I think those conferences actually yeah. were an opportunity for us to see each other for a few minutes. And then I didn't feel bad if we were asking grandparents to come and stay. Um, oh, there you go. You know, yeah. so it was it was kind of fi- finding those silver linings. But mm-hmm. uh, my husband goes to Winnipeg, Manitoba every April for a conference, and it's right around our anniversary. And for many oh, many no. years, uh, he misses <laughs> our anniversary, but he invites me to come with him. 
to Winnipeg. Yeah. What, what time of year? What time of year in Winnipeg? She's in April. 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 So, so it's, it's nice and warm, right? I don't think so. No. So, so I've never, and, and and no offense to anyone who's in Winnipeg, but I, I'm just like I, I'm yeah. if it's not exactly a vacation like, destination. No, I think summer. Is that, where yeah. in Manitoba is that a is that southern? a middle or northern province it's, it's like middle-ish like middle middle-ish okay um but I, gotcha. like in the you know i have some friends that are from winnipeg and and they yeah. have yeah. affirmed that it's you know it can be especially yeah, in the like, do you want to go to minnesota in april this is way worse yeah no i mean <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a good point no but <laughs> it's April, it would be probably okay, but yeah, this it's is way further north yeah, yeah. than even yeah. Minnesota. I, I was once it... invited to speak in uh, Saskatchewan mm. in um, in uh, February. Yes, that's cool too. That's very yeah. cool. <laughs> I had to think about that one yeah. for a while. But I think I think you know if if like what Kristen said, if 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 John invited me to a conference that had somewhere at the beach and palm trees, I'm all I'm all in. Like I'm yeah. your girl. I'm I'm there. Um, yeah. But but actually, that's something that. Um, that I've started to do in, in the last couple of years is partnering with some specialty societies to do adjacent events for that's awesome. partners. Oh, that's such a good yeah, idea. It really yeah. is. Recognizing that there's oh, a lot of wow, partners yeah. that do go. And sometimes, you know what, sometimes it is great, you know, perhaps to have a little break. So while your spouse is yeah. doing the conference thing to, to be on your own. And then there's sometimes where it would be nice to have a little connection with other people. So, um, I did. Definitely. Yeah. So I've been doing that and it's, it's been really, it's been a really cool, um, experience where, you can put a whole bunch of strangers in a room together and there's only one common denominator. And it's this experience of being part of a physician family. And I know it sounds a little bit like cheesy or cliche, but it's been so amazing to watch every single time where people come in the room or whatever it is that we're doing. Usually, you know, involves some food and, you know, they're social events, but watching people come in strangers and leave us friends and mm-hmm. you know yeah. numbers are being exchanged and things like that and so it's like instant trauma bonding to be yeah, part of a bit, physician really, family really yeah yeah and, and so i think you know so conferences maybe i have a different perspective now will but you know yeah i'm well, still I think, uh, that's great i i think there's just it's be, such a good idea it really is a good idea yeah. it's, it's really needed and I, i'm curious do you and in, in the work that you've done with flipside mm-hmm. life and otherwise mm-hmm. do you do you see more specialties represented in terms of people wanting that connection. I'm just curious, like, is there a difference between like neurosurgeon families versus uh, family medicine or ophthalmology or internal medicine? Yeah. I I think that there's definitely um, some specialties that perhaps the experience, well, it depends, right? I think training is pretty, can be pretty difficult. It's going to be hard regardless. That's an equalizer. Yeah. 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 Any training, any training, but, um, but I, I mean, I think, I think the underlying experience, the commonalities are still there. Right. And perhaps just different, um, like maybe on a scale, right. Or, or it could also be, you know, season and like, like whatever the individual or family is going through. Right. That makes it more challenging at the time. It might also be like post training. Cause mm-hmm. like my life now in my job mm-hmm. is oh yeah it's a one eighty so, mu- so much easier training. right yeah. yeah that might not well yes and no I mean mm-hmm. yes you have a a nicer schedule but there are some things that are still I still the take same call. like mm-hmm. you you do still take an easier call but mm-hmm. you your schedule is so rigid and difficult to change even mm-hmm. if it's just clinic and any one small change in your schedule, then it like results in 15 other changes for other people. Right. So then what that translates to is that even though I also am working 
I'm the one that takes the kids to the doctor's appointments. I'm the one that does anything with, you know, the plumbers coming over mm-hmm. and, you know, anything that re- that involves any sort of, you know, more urgent need, urgent or just it has to happen during a workday, mm-hmm. you know, oh, yeah. like business yeah. hours. That's going to be me even now, you it's, know, yeah. and, and I think that's 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 also true and common, like sort of that default partner, right? That takes on yeah. the extra stuff. And then in dual physician families, there's even like, there's oh like, a, right? There's yeah. an element of one, you know, one, one person is kind of designated as the default, whether it's like, you know, the kids get sick, if there's not someone else to go get them, it's like, okay, well, I, you can't leave the OR, but I guess I can leave my clinic, you know? Right. And, yeah. And it's this like competition of who's, mm-hmm. it, it's really, it's whose schedule is more flexible, but it, it feels like whose work is more important, right? You know, who right. gets to be the one that doesn't have to deal with all the other stuff. Yeah, and I think that's why it's so important to have really, really good communication amongst partners, yeah. right? Right from the very beginning, mm-hmm. and that's something that I did not do well with my partner. And that, and when I said before about feeling, you know, embarrassed or shameful, was because as a social worker, I'm pretty good at communication. And you know, if if, if you want some tips, I can help you do that but I wasn't doing it in my own relationship and that made it really hard. Right. And so I think, you know, if those, um, those, you know, strategies are, you know, employed very early on, if, you know, between partners during training, then hopefully by the time you get to the point where you're in attending, you know, maybe you have some good habits that are already in place that, that make life easier for everybody. Right. Yeah. I think it's really important to, communication is definitely one big thing. And then having your own thing Mm. is really important as a physician spouse or partner. Mm -hmm. Um, because the schedule is so demanding, especially during training Mm -hmm. that, um, and it's one of the reasons why the flip side life is so valuable is because it, it offers connection and opportunities Mm -hmm. to kind of find your own people and your own things. And, um, that is so critical because if you don't have that and you're just sitting at home waiting because you have like a fantasy in your mind of what marriage is supposed to look like, for example, mm. um, especially in those early years, uh, that's not going to be what it looks like, probably. And so if you don't have something else mm. that fulfills you, too, mm-hmm. like it, it's, I, well, I always try to be really careful because I remember Googling <laughs> when we were engaged. I was try- this was way longer ago than I would like to admit, but. I was trying to find information about like, Mm -hmm. well, what is it really actually like to be attached to a physician Mm -hmm. and, you know, be at the mercy of all of these systems and institutions? And so all I could do was Google, which is never what you want to do. (laughs) I found all sorts of horror stories. And I just remember, I think you even came home or something. And I was just on the couch just crying, you know, like, is this going to be my life? So I always try to be very cautious about like, Mm. there are, it's not all bad. There are so many wonderful things and you can still have a very meaningful relationship. Absolutely. It's just that you should be aware going in that there Mm. may be these certain areas where there's going to be maybe a little bit of additional effort required, Mm -hmm. or at least, you know, some thoughtfulness. Mm. Yeah, ahead of time. Absolutely. And I think there I think in any relationship, right? Whether we're talking about in medicine or 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 not, but I think between partners there's seasons, right? There's seasons yeah. in a relationship. There's times where maybe I can only give 25%, but maybe my partner can give 75%, right? And and you, and, and that's what, you know, that's that sort of dance of a partnership. But if you haven't had the, you know, haven't had those conversations, those hard conversations, and you know what? We didn't have those hard conversations. We, uh, you know, and I, and I don't know about you, Kristen, but I used to feel so sorry for John when he would come in, like after not sleeping for 
you know, too long. He'd be out for a day and he'd come in and, and once we had the kids, you know, he's an amazing dad. And so he would come in and I, I would try to sort of, I'd be like, Oh, don't worry. I got the kids. And he's like, no, no, I, like, I, I want to spend time with them because that like, I haven't mm-hmm. seen them. And that's, and that's sort of my, like, you know, I don't know, like uplift of in, in his day. And so he yeah. would get on the floor and he'd play with them. So he was pretty much asleep on the floor. Right. And then there wasn't time left or if something was bothering me, I would put it in my back pocket and be like, okay, I'll talk right. to him tomorrow. And then tomorrow something else would come up. And then when you continuously do this in a partnership and you're not talking about what you need to talk about, that's where the, you know, yeah. the resentment or the anger, and then it doesn't do anybody any good. But these are things that, you know, if we talked more openly in, in medicine about these things that are experienced, I think we would, it would be such a service to everybody, right? Because they're normal things. They happen to all of us, whether we want to admit it or not, but we don't talk about it. And, and, you know, and I've said so many times, communities found in our collective stories. So the more we share these stories and, and whether it's about feeling, you know, isolated or, or not having support or whether it's, you know, something, maybe you're struggling as a physician with mental health or physical health issues, right? The more, the more we talk about it, what happens? We can reduce stigma. And that's something that we're getting a little bit better at doing mm-hmm. in medicine, but we have a long way to go. I had a, yeah. I had a whole list of games that I could play with the kids mm-hmm. where I was lying on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> Like lying on the floor. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's great. You know? Yeah. It's... And race the car on daddy's back. Right? Um, check daddy out. Be a doctor. <laughs> yeah. Because I remember those, those you know, post-call days, you know, and you're just, you're so exhausted, but you still want to, you know, be there for the, for the little babies. Yeah. You know? and, and it's hard. And I think that was the one thing. And, and, you know, I, I owe John a, you know, big, big, big apology, like reflecting back, but sort of, when you get stuck in feeling like you're the only one experiencing this and like, what was that? Like I got to be home with the kids. I got to be there and, and, you know, have all this time where he would have these little pockets of time and, you know, to recognize that, yeah, it's hard on, on the flip side again, for the, for the trainee or the, you know, who's going through this to be missing on, you know, missing whatever birthday parties, family events, right. That that's hard too. And, and I think that also needs to be recognized as well, that it goes both ways, right. That there's things being missed out on, on both sides. Right. And it's too easy to make it into a competition, right? Of like, I'm suffering this much. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, well, I'm suffering that much. And, you know, the thing that helped me the most, I don't remember where I heard it. I I wish I did, but um, I think I heard it during residency and it was that it's not, you you can't think of it as me versus you. You have to think of it as us versus the world, right? Like us versus these circumstances that we are in. And it is an us and it is hard for both Mm -hmm. of us in different ways, but we're in it together. Absolutely. And it's not productive to kind of fight with each other about it. Mm. It's more productive to see what can we do about this environment that we're in? Where can we find some Mm. release valves, Mm -hmm. you know, and some support? And it's, it's that idea of like, we're on the same team, right? Yeah. And, and especially on days when it doesn't feel like you're on the same team, but you are. Like yeah. if, and, and I've, I've done a lot of self-talk over the years, right? When I'm feeling like I can feel that feel we're on the same team. That's, you know, the, the affirmations yeah. of, and, and, you know, and, and I have this, I should pull it out. It's in a, it's in one of those memory boxes somewhere. But when, when we thought John was finished, like residency was coming to an end, he was studying for his board exams um, and it was Valentine's day. And I'm not a big Valentine's Day person, but it was sweet. He left this this card, and it was a on like computer paper with black pen and his scrappy handwriting, and it said "Happy V Day." And I opened it up, and and the message inside, and it still it it actually get, makes me choked up when I think about it. 
you know, to, to share this with you. And it said, you know, happy Valentine's day. I can't wait for this to be over, over meaning training to be over. <laughs> right, 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 right. Not like, like your like, relationship. Because yeah, that would yeah, be a different kind that, of Valentine's Day be, card. Right? <laughs> that, that'd, be, that'd be a post-it note, I think. But sort yeah. of the idea of like, and, and his, his acknowledgement in saying, you know, I know I'm a good doctor. I know I'm a good dad, but I can't wait for this to be done so that I can be a good partner again. Mm-hmm. And, and I think like, like it does, that, like that hurts my heart when I yeah. you know, think about that, thinking like, how hard must that be on the other side, right? To feel like that guilt of like, you know, you, you feel like you can't, you're not giving a hundred percent to anything except for your job. And I think that's really hard too. Right. Right. I, I have to ask uh, one more question about John. Um, does, uh, when he, when he comes home, like much later than mm-hmm. like, you know, you thought and everybody thought he'd be home. How often does he blame anesthesia for that? <laughs> you know what to be and i'm not just saying this yeah no he doesn't really he's, oh whew, no wow. he doesn't he's a you know it's i told you that's very nice of him he's yeah he's a he's a nice guy like <laughs> i don't know i just i just had to ask yeah because, maybe you know you know maybe he those anesthesia it. delays the right? kids they really put a you know a damper on things put, i don't know put a wrench in everyone's okay. plans but but no that's so it. it's telling me that anytime you blamed anesthesia that no you don't even get I, anesthesia i i don't we we you don't uh, have that excuse yeah, it's not a, it's not something ophthalmologists really have to. But next time, next time with. he's late and I ask him, I'm going to ask him, was it, was this well, that's you? What or... You can do if you want some points. Yeah. Like right. I know anesthesia, yeah. they take forever every time. It's okay. I'll go yell at him. But yeah. you, know, you know, one of the things that actually was a game changer in that, like expecting your, you know, him to be home and this sound, maybe some people think this is creepy, but I didn't even know, like, thank, thank goodness for tech, but he would, you know, he would text and say, okay, I'm leaving. And then three hours would go by and mm-hmm. he was not home yet. And it's about a 25 minute drive from the hospital uh-huh. to home. Or, you know, when the kids were younger, it'd be like, okay, well, we're going to wait and eat with dad. And then this would happen. Yeah. So then we had this thing of, okay, call me from the car when you've actually exited <laughs> mm-hmm. the parking lot. And even, <laughs> right. and even sometimes that always didn't work, right? Where you're leaving the parking lot and you yeah. get called back in. So then, then he said to me, he's like, I put this thing on your phone or this find my friends thing yeah. so he's like so you can just see see where i am and then you'll know if i've left or not and i was like wow why <laughs> genius and how many right. how many arguments are like frustration so if it's like right. we're ready to we're ready to eat or we're ready to go somewhere and oh dad's still at the hospital that's it yeah and then right. i made the mistake one day of asking him i'm like do you ever look for me during the day to see what i'm doing oh he said Uh-oh. no <laughs> <laughs> no can you believe it so uh, how rude yeah but top tips so <laughs> yeah right I think uh, the 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 getting home time is always is always tough. Mm. Um, and what I've learned is you you can't you can't really go backwards. Mm. So like I was a resident where I was getting home like routinely like seven o'clock, mm. sometimes eight o'clock at night, and then now um, you know I'm a private practice ophthalmologist mm-hmm. and I'm home by like five or five thirty. Mm-hmm. And if I ever got uh, was going to be you know, home, like after six, mm. it's like, what is going on? This is, this is what a horrible, what took you so long? What took you yeah. so long? Oh my God. That's a, how, yeah. what's, this is terrible. And right. so I anyway. think back to the days where you would like, maybe not come home that night yeah. and we like, need, okay, this right? isn't so bad. We need to keep, uh, uh, somehow figure out a way to keep perspective about some of these things, you yeah. know, with time, but, um, but you yeah, know, it's... I think that's the thing, like, I don't know about your kids, but when our kids were really little, you know, uh, you know, J- John did a good job at showing up for as many things as, as he 
could. And, and, you know, and he's coached lots of our kids' sports teams and, and things like that. And so he's been as present as he possibly can considering the job he does. But when they were little, you know, um, in the olden days, when, when, when he was a, a resident and a fellow, there was actually a pager, right. That would go off with that horrible beeping noise. Yeah. And our oldest, he would, it was like Pavlov's dog. He would cry on demand when that thing went like that oh, noise oh, would go no. off because he knew that that noise <laughs> meant that his dad might leave. And, and, and I think it was, it was, you know, over the years, like being able to explain to them and even when they were much younger that, you know, why isn't daddy here? Well, daddy's not here because somebody else needs him right now more than than we do and sort of reframing it and to be able to say like, you know, we're sharing daddy today, right? Because somebody else. And, and I think that's really, um, you know, I think our kids are more compassionate and empathetic of other people, um, at perhaps a younger age mm -hmm. than maybe they would be if they hadn't had that experience of, you know, their dad yeah. being a doctor. And I don't know if that's same that's in a whole other conversation, right? Is like, how do the, how do kids experience mm -hmm. medical training? Yeah. Because uh, a lot of people do have kids early mm. on. You know, we had our right. first in um, med school, third year, uh, mm. into my third year of med school. Yeah. And, um, and so, and I honestly don't know if I've like ever like talked to her about it. I mean, she was, you know, under five. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I think she was, I think I misspoke earlier. It was the older one that said that's where daddy lives about mm. the hospital. Oh, yeah. So, you yeah. know, I think she would remember some of that mm -hmm. she remembers um living in that town and all of that but. so and there i think there's a lot of kind of a, a fear i know i felt it you mm -hmm. know whenever i was working so much in residency that you know if if missing even like the little things right. felt like a huge like i'm scarring this child for mm -hmm. life you know because i'm i'm not there to see her you know take her first steps or whatever mm -hmm. it is um which i, I think in the and looking back on it now was an over that was an exaggeration you know of yeah. of the impact that um my absence at times mm -hmm. would have on them growing up because there's there's ways to you know to mm -hmm. to uh, compensate and yeah i think if they feel safe and cared mm -hmm. for and yeah. they feel your love mm -hmm. and they as they get older they start yeah. to understand that you're doing it's not because of them that you're leaving mm -hmm. right, right they feel safe and loved they're mm -hmm. gonna feel okay i mean kids are a lot more resilient than people give them credit right. for and yeah. i think they they do still form a really strong bond you know just of because of that that love and safety yeah. do, do either of your children have any uh early interest in pursuing medicine not really uh, no. well the but younger at one times, at times they have at time yeah, yeah. Uh, one of them is more like me. Like she's into this. She's into science mm. a lot, but bodies are gross. Right. That's yeah. she and I are similar that way. <laughs> and then there's another one has expressed some interest in being an eyeball doctor. Like I don't know daddy. what she's going to do. Yeah. In her life. But she also it's just it. is very much like yeah. whatever the other people are doing. That's what she wants to do. You know, so we'll see. Our, our youngest used to say when he was really little, he'd say, I want to be a vascular surgeon like daddy. So oh. I work with him. And so sometimes on the weekend, if John was going to go in and see a patient, he would take our youngest with. And, and our little guy loved going, uh, but he's now decided uh, professional sports is where it's at. And and it's funny, our daughter, um, she used to say for the longest time that maybe medicine was something she was interested in. I don't know that any of our children are going down that path, but um, she had kind of had a cool experience uh, earlier uh, in, in November. There was... Um, the first, uh, the first Wednesday in November is take your kids to work day if you're in ninth grade. 
And so she got to go to work with her dad and mm. she was sending me, you know, texts and she told me that this was just like the best day ever. <sighs> and, and I think that's something, right? Like where, again, when you talk about partners or families or children, you know, your work as a physician is almost like a bit of a mystery, right? Like, it's not like mm -hmm. your partner or your kids get to go to work. Well, for, for the most part, right? Like I've never gone to the OR with John to hang out and, you know, have a snack <laughs> right. and watch him work, right? And sit there. And so I think that that's like a, another piece that's, that's missing out of sometimes yeah. of, of feeling part of the experience or not really understanding, right? Yeah. Um, True. Yeah. And how cool is it to get to see you know, the person that you love and you're sharing your life yeah. with in their element, doing the thing mm -hmm. that they've been trained to do, you know, that would be really cool. You know, so um, she felt- I mean, I could, I could pull up some cataract surgery videos for everyone. No, it's like all right. Just, like you just load it on YouTube, just get have, it going. Have you never had the um, the experience when our kids were younger, John would have, I guess, I don't know, I'm not techie enough that whatever, our TV in our family room would be hooked up to something yeah. on his phone. So when his phone, oh, would go, yeah. like that's where, yeah. and so there'd be like bloody- like, mm -hmm. like things I don't know like, yeah uh, sometimes I'd be flipping through his phone like cute pictures of kids yeah. Yeah. oh my god yeah, yeah, but it would be yeah. a horrible eyeball it would be on the screen right it would be on like the tv it, uh, yeah and they would and so our kids are pretty unfazed but they are yeah. they they've been, they've been um trained because they've saying like what happened to this you know uh, right. um anyways but yeah they're yeah. well vascular surgery is <laughs> is like the bloodiest thing ever it is. yeah it's it in is. the name it yes. is, you know right yeah, for sure I, yeah Dinner table conversations in physician homes mm. are not for the faint of heart. No. Well, well, as as we as we mentioned at the beginning, like that, it's because of the vascular yeah. surgeons that I chose ophthalmology as a so, career. Uh, the stuff I they do know. in vascular, it's it's cool. Yeah. Like it's it's really a it's hard specialty, but you know. Uh, do you have a the... full drawer in your bedroom full of compression stockings? Um, I do. I've, I'm actually a convert. Um, but oh, I don't, even I, she's got it on it. Yeah, go. I'm going to send you some. What color do you want, Kristen? <laughs> well, no, it, but I, so I don't really like socks, like, but I wear, yeah. I'll wear the athletic sleeves where your feet are free. So always oh, on yeah. airplanes, oh. always. Oh, so it's pushing yeah. the, yeah, keeping yeah. you from getting swollen and mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, but yeah, I don't know. Well, Spanks for your legs. That's right. right. <laughs> Leg spanks. Just you just one of these days you're going to check your your mailbox and there's going to be a little little surprise. I, I can't wait. Looking yes. forward to it. Well, um, Haley, before we let you go, um, we want to uh, make sure you know we we mention again the 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 things that you're involved in. So we talked about the flip side life. Mm -hmm. Um, and then also, do you have anything else that you'd want the, our audience to know about? Well, I think if you are the partner of a medical student or a physician, and perhaps you're feeling like maybe a little bit isolated, a little bit lonely, I think the take home message is that you're not alone. There's a whole community of us out there, you know, oh, yeah. waiting to meet you, welcome you. Um, the zoom calls that I continue to do there are Thursday nights, um, there's a little bit of a hiatus until after the holidays, but those everybody's welcome to those. There's no sign up required. There's no uh, there's no cost to join. Where can and, people find those? So if you on, on social, you can go. Um, I'm pretty easy to find. So Haley Harlock, if you look me up on social and everything, that's fine. Personally, flip, um, is associated with the Flipside Life. Okay. Um, you can or go to theflipsidelife.com and and some of the events, uh, including the the Thursday night calls, are also listed on the the website. Um, and stay tuned. Like we're, we also do some fun events. We had a holiday party last week. It was a, a holiday fiesta. We did a, a Mexican cooking class with a chef live from Mexico City. That was pretty fun. Wow. Um, awesome. And and some of you know some of the work with 
with some of the specialty societies and associations. I look forward to doing more of that in, you know, in 2024 and beyond of just, mm-hmm. you know, in making, making, um, physician partners feel more, more a part of, uh, of this journey. But, um, one of the things that I've been working on with a small and mighty team of researchers from McMaster University is a project looking at um, the experience of residency and fellowship on both the medical learners and on partners. And this is, I know this is a, a cause obviously near and dear to my heart. And it's, it's, um, it's really important and it's exciting because we just don't have enough data on what that experience looks like. And so um, hopefully we're just writing up um, a paper that hopefully will be published soon on the first phase of that project, which was a, it was a survey, a cross-sectional survey. And we just wrapped up last week, uh, qualitative interviews with residents, fellows and partners. And they were, um, yeah, amazing that people, um, you know, gave us their time and, and really wanted to share their stories and their experience. And, and I think, you know, once we have more data, you know, doctors, medical culture, yeah. medical systems like data, once we have more data, then we can you know, design some interventions to make this experience better for everyone. And, and I think one of the things that, you know, that I know myself and, and the team that I'm working with is really proud of is that we've um, tried really hard to make this a really diverse, um, you know, group that we're, we're capturing from. So um, understanding that it's not a one size fits all approach in terms of what the experience looks like, but looking at everything from race, culture, gender identity, things like that, uh, PGY year as well. Um, mm. So I feel like we've done, we've cast a wide net in terms of uh, who's been part of this this first and second phase of our project, and and I think you know we have a responsibility once we once we know more, we have to do better, right? And and right. I think if change happens early on in training, that's when we're going to see the change, the, the longstanding changes, you know, in practice as well. That's great. I love that. One of the, and I, Haley would never say this about herself, but one of the other things that's so great about Haley is she is such a champion for not only physician families, I know that's kind of in mm-hmm. your, uh, on your website, <laughs> but she is a champion for, for women. Like mm-hmm. she is the biggest cheerleader mm-hmm. that you will ever find. Um, if you are a woman trying to accomplish anything at all <laughs> and Haley finds out about you, she will do mm-hmm. everything she can Aww. to uh, lift you up and support you. And, and, you know, she's just, she's been a really big, um, advocate and champion for me even. Mm -hmm. And, and I've seen you do it for, for so many other women as well. And, um, that just really stands out to me about you too. Mm -hmm. So it makes perfect sense to me that Mm -hmm. you're doing what you're doing because that's just the person that you are. That's, that's really kind, Kristen. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. And, and I think, you know, um, like I said earlier, it's humbling when you're doing something that maybe hasn't potentially been done in the way you're yeah. trying to do it. And, and there's a lot of, you know, in the last four years, like, you know, no's, um, people just not responding to emails, you know, virtual doors closed. And, and I think the exciting part now after four years is now there are seats at the table. Now there are doors being opened. Um, and people are recognizing that the experience of physician families does matter. And, um, so I think it's a really exciting time too to be doing this work, and um, yeah. So I'm I'm awesome. I'm excited. I'm excited to see what you know the next yeah. year brings. And and this was this was a lot of fun. I'm I'm, I'm yeah, so great. happy you know to be invited. It's fine. It's uh, great to finally meet you because Kristen said you know told me a lot yeah. about you. And so <laughs> so well uh, yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. This was a real pleasure. Thank you so much, guys. And we will um, be right back with uh, a listener story. 
Hey, Kristen. Yeah. Our anniversary's coming up. Yes, that's right. You know what I got you? What? A bouquet. Oh, you shouldn't have. They're Diva Dex mites. That's why you and shouldn't look have. Look how cute those faces are and oh. the little legs. <laughs> it's kind of cute, I have You know to what admit. these things do? What? They cause you to have like itchy, red, irritated eyelids. That's not cute. Well, it's a disease. It's actually a pretty common disease called Demodex blepharitis. Yeah. How do you know if you have it? What does it look like? Well, you, you end up with this crusty, flaky buildup on your eyelashes. And it's pretty easy to see if you just look at That's them under a microscope. Pretty gross, though. Yeah, yeah. So... Well, you don't get grossed out. Okay. You got to get checked out. Okay, that's ah, a fair yeah. point. Yeah. You got to go in. You gotta, and, and, and we'll look at your eyelids. You just go to eyelidcheck.com to get more information. All okay. right. That's E-Y-E-L-I-D-check.com to get more information about Demodex blepharitis. These cute little guys. Yeah, it's the most romantic go. anniversary gift that's, you've ever given me. You're welcome. All right, today we have a fan story from Kate D. Kate D says, I have been a dentist for 10 years and was humbly reminded recently of why we are required to confirm a patient's date of birth, not just the name. Mm. You know, this this is already a good story. I think I know where this is headed, yep. I brought my patient into the dental chair for his booked appointment for a filling. Getting him to my surgery... Uh, getting him to my surgery took a little bit longer than usual as he had an amputated leg and getting both out of the waiting room chair and then into the dental chair was a bit tricky. I confirmed his first and last name, then proceeded to update his medical history on the computer to note he was an amputee and needed mobility assistance, as this was new info in his file. I asked when he had his leg amputated as when he was last in a couple months ago, when I did his last filling, he still had his leg. He insisted that it had been gone for years. I insisted that he had two legs only two months ago. Oh, no. Turns out the patient was right, of course. Uh, there were two patients in the waiting room with the same first and last name. The other one had two legs and needed a filling. <laughs> Oops. Well, at least she found out before she started any dental work because... <laughs> As if it's not insulting enough to be told, no, you did have a leg right. two months ago. That's the thing that, that cracks me up is like the trying to convince someone, <laughs> no, no, I'm pretty sure you had a leg two months ago. It says here in your uh, chart. Yeah, that's the the, oh, the, the perils of uh, of documentation. Sometimes. That's, that's a good, it is a good lesson though. Like we yeah. always, like when we do cataract surgery, like four, five different times between yep. when they walk in through the door to it's win. like two-factor authentication. Exactly. Make sure they are who you say they are. To when I like actually cut into an eyeball, like first name, last name, date of birth, which I were working on. Yeah. Like four different times at least. Anyway. I've always wondered, like when you go to the doctor and you at when you check in, you give your name and date yeah. of birth and all that. Okay, that's fine. Then the nurse comes and gets you and like go, you do your weight and height and all that. You yeah. give your name and date of birth again. And then they put you in a room and then somebody else comes into the room and then you got to get your name and date of birth again. I'm like, this is a little excessive. Like, But then you hear stories like that. Yeah, so now, like, I, oh, that's now I know it's more about There's that a reason these are three different that. people. <laughs> they exactly. have to make sure they know who I am. Uh, thank you for that story, KD. You can send us your stories, knock, knock, hi at human-content.com. Uh, what a fun episode uh, yeah. to, to hear uh, um, about a different part of medicine. That's right. It's kind of the invisible part that no one yeah. um, ever thinks about or talks about as much. So I it's really, important to take a look. I really, I, I do, I feel kind of bad. Like I didn't fully like understand and recognize like the impact that my training had on my family. 
Well, you don't, it's not something you need to feel bad about. Um, you know, it is what it is. It's not like yeah. you were being a jerk or something. It's just, it is, it is difficult and it is nice to, you know, have it recognized by the partner and, and. Some of the things she mentioned though, were like, could I think really make a big difference. Yeah. Like, you know, like having like orientation or something. Right. Like when you're coming into residency. Yeah. Why wouldn't you want to orient the whole family? Right? Yeah, like, like, like here's the grocery stores in the area and here's the daycares. And and I think a lot of places, because Iowa did something like that. They, did, they were better than most, I would but say. But not everybody. And it should yeah. be kind of just part of the whole thing. Right. You know? And like she said, like, you know, it's a low bar to yeah, just right. have anything at all. Exactly. So, yeah, so, I think, let's I raise think the bar. that. Let's um, raise it. Let's get it up higher. <laughs> Let's let's pole vault that. Let's do okay. it. I don't think we use swear words on this podcast. All right, sorry, you can bleep that out. Um, all right, great. That was a lot of fun. Let us know what you thought uh, of of the episode, and if you have suggestions for for guests and things that you want us to discuss, you can email us knockknockhigh at human content dot com. Hang out with us on all social media platforms. Uh, we also have a, a nice little podcast family with human content on Instagram and TikTok at human content pods. Check that out. Uh, thank you to all the wonderful listeners leaving feedback and reviews. If you subscribe, subscribe and comment on your favorite podcasting app or on YouTube and give you a shout out like at Bradford Freed 6175 on YouTube. Bradford Reed. What did I say? <laughs> Reed. Bradford Reed. Bradford Reed, 6175 on YouTube said, I always know I'm going to learn something when a knock knock high slash I episode drops. Aww. There you go. Yeah. Hey. Have you been listening? Have you been learning about knock knock I from me? <clears throat> Full video episodes are up every week on <laughs> Will's YouTube. Add D Glock and Fleck. We must have a Patreon. Lots of cool perks bonus episodes where we react to medical shows and movies. You can hang out with other members of the community. Uh, we're active in it. We're there. Uh, uh, we're governing. And um, oh, oh, we've gone from being a township to now we're the governors. Yeah, we're, we're it's, a, it's a, you know, there's kind of, like, you can't just have anarchy in mm -hmm. a community. Like, there's got to be order. All right. Now, there's, there's not a lot of rules. All right. Mm -hmm. We haven't, there's a, a few ordinances. But overall, it's a very free-flowing community. Are there any HOAs? No, no HOA fees. Okay. Well, there's fees, but not HOA fees. <laughs> <laughs> Early ad-free episode access, interactive Q&A live stream events, and much more. We do make, we can make fun of the HOAs uh, in that community. Oh, that would man. be fun. Uh, Patreon.com slash Glockenflagon, or go to Glockenflagon.com. Speaking of Patreon community perks, so somebody is so tired of saying my own freaking name. It's not your name. <laughs> I say it more than my real name now. I say Glockenflag. I thought you, I don't know what the. I know it feels the, like you're coughing and like, like spitting up all at the same time. Go to Glockenflag.com. <laughs> community of uh, whatever Patreon community person. New member shout out to Jocelyn, Michelle H, and Roy R. Roy R. Thank you. Jocelyn, Michelle H, and Roy R. I felt like I needed to say those again. <laughs> kind of loved them the first I, time. I kind of messed that up. <laughs> Thank you guys for joining Patreon. And all as usual, shout out to all the Jonathans. You ready? Mm. 
Patrick Lucia C. Sharon S. Omar Edward K. Stephen G. G. Ma- Jonathan F. Marion W. Mr. Granddaddy. Caitlin C. Brianna L. Leah D. K. L. Rachel L. Keith G. J. J. H. Derek and Mary H. Susanna F. Mohammed K. Aviga Parker. Ryan. Medical Meg. Bubbles Salt. And Pink, Pink Macho. We got some really fun names in Ooh, there. It's, it's growing. I really enjoy the the ending there. Medical Meg. Bubbly Salt and Pink Macho. Yeah, those are good, those are three good names. It's a good it's a good names. Uh, and uh, Patreon Roulette, shout out to someone on the emergency medicine tier. We have Julie P. Julie P., thank you for being a patron. And thank you all for listening. We are your hosts, Will and Kristen Flannery, also known as the Glock and Flecken. Special thanks to our guest, Haley Harlock. Our executive producers are Will Flannery, Kristen Flannery, Aaron Broccolini Corny, Rob Goblin Goldman, and Shanti Creekbook. Our editor and engineer is Jason Portizo. Our music is by Omer Binsvi. To learn about our Knock Knock Highs program, this is the part you've all been waiting for. To learn about our Knock Knock Highs program, disclaimer ethics policies, mission verification, licensing terms, and HIPAA release terms, go to where? Blockablanca.com. <laughs> or reach out to us at knockknockhigh at human-content.com with any questions, concerns, or fun medical puns. Knock Knock High is a human content production. Hey, Kristen. Yeah. You know, sometimes I come home from work and I just like feel really run down. Yeah. Because, you know, despite popular opinion, you actually do see a fair number of patients every day. (laughs) I do. My clinics are pretty busy, but I'm not the only physician that feels that way. Mm -hmm. So many people feel overwhelmed and burdened so much that work-life balance feels impossible. Yeah. Nobody gets into this job for the paperwork. Most people. Definitely not me. Mm. And uh, But let me tell you about the Nuance Dragon Ambient Experience, or DAX for short. Tell me. This is AI-powered ambient technology. It sits down in the room with you. It's transforming healthcare with clinical documentation that writes itself. Ooh, that sounds nice. It's like having a Jonathan there. Yeah, it's perfect. I got, and I got some stats for you. Ooh, I love stats. You're going to love this. Seven minutes is saved per encounter by reducing clinical documentation time by 50%. Seven minutes. That's an entire surgery for you. Yeah, that's what DAX can do for you. And uh, across all specialties, 70% of physicians report a reduction in feelings of burnout and fatigue. That's pretty incredible. It really is cool technology. Uh, To learn more about the Nuance Dragon Ambient Experience or DAX, visit nuance.com slash discover DAX. That's N-U-A-N-C-E dot com slash discover D-A-X.